Welcome to the Strangers on the Way podcast, where daily interaction with a stranger can transform your life. We hope today's episode inspires you to meet your own Strangers on the Way. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Strangers on the Way. I'm so excited for today's episode because I just met this um, stranger about less than a week ago on an airplane, which is one of my favorite places to meet people. So intru- so excited to introduce you to Chris Booth. Um, Chris is with me. He lives in Nebraska, and he has, I think, one of the coolest lives that I've ever um, encountered just with his history of growing up. Um, and I was just so moved by how he talked about his kids and how much he loves his family and just some of the neat things that they do in Nebraska. So Chris, welcome to the Strangers on the Wave podcast. Thank you, Lauren. It was uh, it was the pleasure of meeting you um, from a nice trip from Lexington, Kentucky to Chicago. So it was a good way to start the morning that day. Yes, it was so fun. Well, we'd love to hear just a little bit about you. I know you've come from many places. Um, so want to share a bit of your history and um, just introduce everyone to you. Sure. Uh, like you said, I'm Chris Booth. I'm from Nebraska. Um, not originally from Nebraska. I was actually an Air Force brat. Um, both my mom and dad were in the military and the Air Force um, at the same time. Um, so we traveled all over the world um, for because they both had to get stationed at um, different times. And so we traveled all together as a family. But um, we spent all everything overseas um, until I was 14 uh, when we came back to the States in which uh, we ended up in Nebraska at that time. And you had shared that you were in the Philippines for, was that before you came back here? Correct. And you have some fun adventures in the Philippines. Want fun to share adventures. Um, yeah. uh, at the time, there was a base called Clark's Air Force Base that we were stationed at. And so we got to, as a, as a kid, um, middle-aged kid that we got to experience a lot of the culture there in the Philippines. Philippines was really open to the U.S. being there. They really appreciated us there at the time. But as kids, we got to to be with the natives a lot. They accepted the kids uh, a little bit better than the adults. But um, so we got to experience some cool cultures there um, when I was a kid. Yeah. One of them was being that we always had memories about was the rice fields. We used to um, be able to go out in the rice fields uh, with the with the people there um, to harvest the rice um, at certain times of the year. So, which was fun. Amazing. And what was that like? So it was crazy. So the some <laughs> of the memories that is it's true um, they flood a, a lot of. People are not familiar with how rice is raised. It's in flooded water. So usually it's um, up to your, about to your ankles or knees. Um, and then the rice grows through the water. But you have to back in the day before machinery was a big thing. Um, we'd have to go out. They would go out and manually pick and, and hand pick all the rice stems out. And and so we would walk through the water with the, the water buffaloes. So, I mean, water buffaloes were a true animal they used to help them farm. Like we used, like Amish use horses and things like that. They used the water buffaloes. So um, that's how that term came about um, with them. And we would handpick rice and put them in these baskets and then walk through the whole fields um, and cool. to do that. So literally grains of rice you would handpick. So it would be, you would pick the whole stock. Um, okay. And then later there was a process, then they would pick it off the actual stock and then little pieces of grain. Yep. There was a wow. little machine or a little hand twirler that you'd run the, the rice through and then it would pluck off the, the grain. Wow. So, 
Amazing. And you said there are some predators as you were doing this. Yeah. <laughs> Could you share a little bit about that? Yeah. So back as a kid, we're pretty fearless. But um, back then, the um, Philippines has cobras. And so cobras run the rice fields. Um, they look for things to eat throughout the rice fields, um, mice, rats, those types of things. So one of the things we had to be careful about was before you go to pick a stock, is, is, is there a snake there? Is Because the cobras... Um, were predominant in those fields. Um, we would have to wear shin guards, um, but they're called snake guards. They were pieces of plastic that ran all the way up to your about knees or thighs. And so if you were struck um, by one, you wouldn't get uh, the venom. Uh, they would hit that plastic and move on. But um, the kids wore them a little more than the adults. They were a little more uh, tentative of what was going on around them. Like kids, we just ran through the, we just enjoyed playing around in the water and, and you know, didn't take things real serious. But yeah, uh, the, 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 the cobras, you had to keep an eye on out in those. Wow. It was pretty cool. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone get bit ever? Uh, oh, we were struck all the time. Yep. You, wow. you would hear a little, you, you could hear the teeth. They tick on that plastic and then. Um, you'd look around and next thing you know, they'd be slithering off away from you. They, they, they didn't, um, they were typically more afraid of you than, um, so they would take off, but it was one of those, like I, a lot of them were just kind of resting in the sun that you'd kind of walk up on. And that's where the surprise came from. But, wow. Yeah. It, wow. The big thing over there too, was tarantulas. Tarantula, they have huge tarantulas. So we used to, wow. as a kid, um, <laughs> They actually dig barrel holes, and so they come out to get crickets wow. and grasshoppers and whatever. So we used to um, catch grasshoppers and put them on sticks and then put them down the tarantula holes. So boy things. Very much. <laughs> oh, that's so wild. Yeah. So you lived in the Philippines, and then you moved to Nebraska. And now you, you farm part-time, so different kind of agriculture here. What's that like for you? It, it is it is satisfying. It's very um, it, you learn a lot of ways about agriculture related to, um, you know, we get to grow things um, from start to finish and you and you get to watch that process the whole way through from putting the seed in the ground to um, when it grows throughout the year and making sure it grows fertilizer and then to the harvest time. I, I'd say the harvest time is the best time of year around in Nebraska. It's just yeah. really cool. The of what your end product is. Corn and soybeans are the big thing here. Um, and then you do have alfalfa for the feeding portion of it. And um, that's the predominant three things in, in Nebraska that uh, for, for farming lives. Um, and then also we got into the livestock. We love livestock. Me and my family have four kids, uh, three girls and a boy, and and we are really involved in the livestock part of it. And that's, that's uh, I say, the most satisfying part of our farming uh, pieces. Yes, I would love to hear more about that. It's that's something that we talked about on the plane that was newer for me. Um, what has it been like to do as a family? And I know I asked if you got attached to any of your animals and um, any fun stories with showing showing livestock. Oh, for sure. So you know what I what we enjoy or I enjoy the most about um, the farming and the livestock. So we do 4-H and 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 showing of of the cattle and pigs is our two favorite ones uh, that we like to show. But what's unique about 4-H and showing um, animals is that it's it is truly involved as a family. Like you're all involved. So I can compared to sports. I love sports. I was huge in sports, but sports is I can only help the child so much, and then they go out individually and do their things out on the field or on the court or 
um, whatever that is, you know, it's, it's, you do more support than you do together is. Mm -hmm. So with animals, you're all together. I can lead a, um, an animal. I can help them feed. I can, um, so we do it all as together. So when we get cattle, which are very big and can be powerful, um, we have to lead together sometimes just to teach them how to walk. We all halter mm -hmm. them. Um, and so it, it, it is truly, it takes one another to help each other. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's what's, that's what's huge about agriculture. It is truly a family um, living that you're all involved together. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. I feel like there's all these like metaphors and life lessons just from that. Anything like that it's taught you about life? Um, yeah. For sure. So I think that there's a big misnomer out there a lot. Well, I'd say within the suburban areas that um, farmers are um, can be mean or inhumane mm -hmm. and things like that. And, and really, if you're out and about and you visited with a lot of um, livestock producers, that's far from the truth. We we have deep passion for these animals. Um, yeah. We care for them. We give them shots. We make sure they have water, shelter. Um, and, and one of the biggest things that's enjoyable is when it comes time for birthing. So when it's calving season or when the pigs are having um, little piglets in the, in the crates and stuff is is yeah. we're helping them we don't want them to suffer anymore uh just like a human and we help them with that process and and when a calf is born it they're so cute that you know you want to cuddle with them and and uh yeah. and, and in some aspects if you're a smaller farmer like i am we do we cuddle them they become our pets they become our family they um we treat them very well so um so we get to see the birthing side of things and that's a life lesson you know um unfortunately some do not make it so we do have to deal with the death a little bit um yeah. along with live spunky little cute animals along with it yeah how is that for your kids just like navigating navigating loss maybe as a as a, a kid like how did you walk them through that like pain yeah so you know the i, I remember it vividly we um we it was a really rainy stormy night and so um it's compared to snow it should have been snowing but it was actually raining that's the midwest we know how the midwest weather can be <laughs> yes um, but we had a cow that was going to calf and so um, we were out there checking it at midnight. So we go out in intervals, uh, three to four hour intervals to make sure the animals um, are, if they're having babies, we bring them inside. So we truly do bring them inside. Um, but one had had one while we were in between that period. And so it, it actually had it in the mud. And so unfortunately mm -hmm. it didn't make it. So um, we, the kids seeing that didn't quite understand, you know, why it died. And, and so you have to walk them through that and we cried a little bit about it like the younger ones did because yeah. there's that expectation we're going to get to see this live spunky little thing and then you have to unfortunately um do you know it didn't make it so yeah. it and it's kind of like when we raise them we do get really attached so the show pigs and the calves you know they get we get real personal but there are we have to teach them that they are put on this earth for us to nourish our bodies um and, and they're made for food and that's what they were their purpose was in life and and to teach that the first go around several years in a row we we have put them on auction we have to sell them and so we 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 have cried many a nights going we had to let them go and 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 um to learn that lesson but the lesson we learned from that i invoked in them is that it, they were if we treat them well they treat us well in return in one of them is nourishing our bodies for people. So, um, 
So we say we keep the best care of them and then they keep the best care of us. And that's how we go about doing our Mm. our deals with the animals. Yeah. I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's like honoring one another. That's yeah. That's amazing. Um, you can, you had talked about kind of the, the harvest cycle, like planting seeds and then waiting and, and harvesting. And it reminded me there's like, um, there's a Bible verse about like asking for the ancient paths and walking in those ways. And then you find rest for your souls. And I just heard, um, I was talking to a, uh, a pastor today and he was saying a lot of times in American culture, we think success is like a successful life is like fast and big. Um, but he said a beautiful life is actually, um, slow and, um, and kind of steady. And I was like, wow, what a neat way, like just a different mental picture of like a way to define success. And when I think of like agriculture, there's this whole process, like you're not harvesting 24 seven, like there's this process of going from seed, um, to under the dirt and, and then ultimately you have the harvest. So like, I don't know, does that resonate? Because you actually get to see this every year where you're planting and waiting and, and, and yeah, waiting for a long time, I would assume. Um, like, what's that? I don't know. What's that like? And I, I don't know. If, is there anything in your life where, like, the slow has actually been more successful than, like, the fast and flashy? Yeah. I, what's, it's the perspective of things of how you, you handle that, you know, fast yeah. and furious, you know, do you think as much, you know, you have to quick thinking and, and things like that with farming, uh, the Midwest is laid back and, and you have to be patient with things. Um, mm-hmm. Things don't happen as fast as you'd like them to. Um, yeah. From start to finish, there's a lot of anticipation. There's a, um, there's can be stress involved, which is an everyday life that we have to deal with personally because, because rain, you know, storms, um, we need rain for the seed to grow. Like right now we are really, really dry in our area. And and if we don't get rain soon, then we can lose everything that we planted. Wow. Um, Versus it's raining. Okay. But we have horrible storms in the Midwest. So um, your crops can be so far along. The stress part is, oh my gosh, here comes a storm. Is it going to hail? Is it going to have a tornado? Are we going to have wind? And then it, it could, it could take out all your crops too. And then you have nothing. So, um, so you have that anticipation, you make it through the whole year. So usually um, April starts September, mm-hmm. October is the harvest time. So now you've waited those four to five months and then you get the great joy. If now I'm able to get it, I, I, I survived the storms. We got the rains that we needed and now we have a bountiful crop and we get to go bring it in. And that's the joyous part of it. Um, wow. so you, you see progressions, you see, yes, this is exciting. We're getting it into anticipation to stress. Is it something going to happen along the way to, Oh, we made it and um, look at what we have to, to harvest here. So wow. it's a lot. Yeah, that's such a picture of life. I feel like correct with sure. storms and un- uncertainties, and then um, those harvest seasons are really like you can look back and you're like, oh, like this is what's got us here, yeah. but it can be scary in the middle. And then yeah. you're kind of wondering, you know, then you do look back in the past, which is hard. You know, what what could I have done better? Do we need to do this next year versus you yeah, know, what worked, what didn't work? Um, you know, and you so you you're typically looking back in the past and see what you can do better. And and agriculture is something that you, there's always um, evolutions changing. And so you need to adapt to those changes too. And just like life. So you need to adapt to change and what can we do different to always improve. 
Yeah. And, and so like a lot of this is sounds like dependent on the weather, which is out of our control. Correct. Um, what, like, I mean, how do you navigate that? Cause you don't, I guess it's kind of a risk every year. Like you just don't know. It is a risk. I mean, wow. it is truly, if you have, well, even with animals, but definitely with, um, um, anything plant related or a thing like that, it's, it's always a risk. You're at the, you're at the mercy of mother nature. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you have to adapt to that. Um, in, in, you know, some of that demise has come with farming. Why um, it's becoming more corporation and we've lost families that are smaller family owned farms because that risk is too much now that if you have a bad year, it could it could make them where they can't farm any longer. And then um, a corporation comes in and buys the farm. So mm-hmm. um, so that fear is there, too. They want to be successful. That's what they enjoy in life. And you know? so, yeah. yep, risk there all the time. But the what they say is also is the reward at the end if, if you make it through it. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's fascinating. Well, well one thing is really cool is with that, you know, Nebraska spread out or even Illinois, you know, sometimes your neighbors could be miles apart or they could be right next to you. And and one thing about it is it's a close knit community, no matter where you're at in Nebraska. And, you know, if you're falling on hard times, there are people there for you. The community is mm-hmm. there for everyone. And and wow. uh, that is, I think, is one of the, the good life. You know, Nebraska's theme is the good life. And it, it truly is when it comes to that. Wow. So, so do you think that's just a part of the culture? Like you know your neighbors and you look out for that, their welfare, or is that something you've like cultivated um, where you, where you live? Yeah, it's the, definitely the culture, you know, they all understand each other's one's lives because they're, they're in it together. You know, Um, if this family can't succeed because of a storm wiped them out, sometimes one mile makes a difference in, yeah. in what can happen to your farm. And and so you understand that that one mile could have been me and not them. And so you just, you, you relate to that. And, and so you help out your neighbors and helping out neighbors is huge around here. Is, is we're always there for each other. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I love that so much. That's beautiful. Well, I know in addition to par- farming part-time, you also have another job where you travel a lot. And yeah. just like we met as strangers, you've met some strangers too. And I heard you have some good stranger stories too. I'd love to hear just a couple, um, yeah, encounters that you've had with strangers. Because one of the one of my goals is for just people to keep meeting people and learning. And um, I think it's such a rich, I don't know, a rich life as we get to know people from all over. For sure. And I think you and I were talking and we did talk, you know, it's a big world, but it it really becomes a small world because as you start talking to people, you can kind of just relate um, things back to what you're familiar with both. Like I always seems like when I meet somebody, it finally, oh, I know this person here. I've known this person (laughs) in Nebraska before. So it's always back to that. But um, I have two instances. I thought hard about that question is, is I have two instances. So um, as I'd mentioned, um, you and I were speaking, I was born in England um, mm-hmm. because of my parents were stationed over in the, uh, there at that time, but actually went back to work uh, and visited England for a while. And um, I was staying in a town called Lechlade, um at a hotel there. Well, the hotel overbooked and they use um, people in the community to house when they accidentally overbooked. So I had to get oh, wow. moved to a house for a couple of days. Wow. Uh, a hotel. And um this couple had then uh, a little boy, and so they they accepted me and 
But as I was talking to the little boy, I, I explained to him I'm from the United States. And, and so we're talking to them as a family. But I was from the United States and I live in Nebraska and I pointed it on the map. And one of the first things he said was, oh, you're you're uh, with cowboys and Indians every day. And, and so it was this was back in 1999. So um, to relate um that to cowboys and indians was it's quite unique as what they feel our culture still is in a mm -hmm. sense so but it was fun because i do have horses and i was able to actually show them some pictures of me riding a horse and um i did explain to them though we we do have indian reservations i'm only 30 miles from several of them so mm -hmm. so that was funny and i thought it was very unique um what they thought that culture is in the middle of the united states mm -hmm. That's so I think true. one of the best um, stranger stories I met is I met um, a gentleman called, um, uh, they call him now Brother Frank, and he he has, I think, since recently passed away, but his real name is Frank Minucci, mm -hmm. and um, he was an ex-mobster um, or wow. from a mobster family, and I actually have his book right here. I'll explain that a little bit. Um, oh, cool. But I met him in the Omaha airport. He was up in uh, actually South Dakota to buy a car. Um, but I seen him sitting by himself and I just went over there and sat next to him and I just said, how are you doing? And um, he was kind of a really an intimidating guy at first. And we just got to talk and small talk. And I knew nothing yet about um, his past. So, um, but we got to actually like you and I we ended up sitting next, I ended up sitting next to him in the, in the plane. And so he explained his rough childhood and how he's involved with the mob and 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 wow. but what he became was a pastor. He became uh, a pastor wow. of a church, and so um, that's why they called him Brother Frank. And, wow. and so with that, well, we flew into New Jersey, and um, then he decided. He says, "Well, I, um, we got together. He gave me a prayer, and then he provided me his book, and then he actually um, gave me a number. He signed it and gave me a number." there way down the bottom and uh he said you can call me anytime uh, if you ever want to chat and uh so i did call him a couple times not a lot but a couple of times after the fact and he knew me right i mean like he knew my voice he knew exactly who i was as soon as i said my name so i thought that was just um really cool how he's probably met a ton of people in his lifetime and to know yes. you is uh pretty cool but with his yeah. past it just taught me to think about you can change if you really put your mind to things and, and and for the better it's uh we have rough times we all have rough times and he proven that if you put your mind to it, you can get out of what you need to improve yourself and make yourself worth if you want to yeah, yeah. oh that's so powerful i uh, i agree i love those stories like i think everything in your life can be used like unto good um and and even just some of the things he faced he was probably able to help people that other people couldn't have helped just because of what he walked through that's so beautiful and the phone number in his book reminded me uh, there's an author bob goff he's one of my favorites he writes all these stories he has a book called love does and he puts his phone number in the back of his book um just like in the description and I've called him a couple times, like in kind of these like transition moments of my life when I'm like, I don't know what to do. And um, there's such power in, in availability and making yourself available for other people. And it's so neat because even you reached out to Brother Frank and you, you know, that was a one time connection, but then it became like a friendship. Yeah. And yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. I love that story. So that was a very unique one. It's probably the one I hold on to the most. And like I said, we, you and I have 
met probably a lot of interesting people. I've sat with some celebrities on planes and, but he was the most unique. That's always definitely stuck in my mind. And, and yeah. I have the book, I, I'm at work and I keep it at work. And there are times I just open it up. I've probably read it 30 times. I don't know, but I just like, wow. to, you know, you just kind of remind yourself, I'll open up this book, read about that. It's like, I, I, I really don't have it that bad, you know, and, and just yeah. kind of just a reminder that perspective so he's, he's oh, always stuck it. out the most. Yes. That's an awesome stranger story. Yeah. I love that. Especially Aww. to meet him right in the Midwest. I mean, he he was out there to buy a vintage car is all he was doing. And you just yes. run across the great person like that. Yeah. It's so fun. Those ordinary days when it's like, you don't know who you're going to meet and come across. And right. if you just take a step and say hello or make a comment to someone and that's beautiful. I love you that. Know, those comments I found out too, just a simple hi makes a person's day. You yes. Know, you, you, we in the airport, we, and you know, it's, it is a little uncomfortable. You're total strangers with people, but yes. sometimes just that simple high just sparks something mm -hmm. and it just goes and it, it's really cool. Yeah, it is. Oh, so good. Oh, it's such a joy to ch um, chat with you, Chris. Thank you so much for who you are. And thank you for just bringing your perspective um, to the rest of our, our country and our listeners. And thank you for what you do and for how you love your family. It's okay. awesome. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to chat with you again. Um, like I said, we had a great conversation and this is this was fun today and I appreciate you reaching back out to me. Yes, absolutely. Thanks, Chris. Have a good day.